Philippines. <laughs> Ashley P just uh, joined today. Really had not today. It was a couple of days ago. It really had me hyped. Who was it? it? It was like a celebrity, and she was saying that her and her man's like gonna have different houses because that's what works for them. Her oh, her Carrie Hilson said that. Was it Carrie Hilson? Mm-hmm. Listen, my grandparents live in different houses. Phenomenal. My grandparents live in neighbor's house. You said what? Years. We could be hit next door neighbors. Yeah, no, you got me fucked up. Bro, listen, I like that idea a lot. No. I'm like, saying we next door neighbors. You can pick a little whole bag. I need my shit. <laughs> yeah, no, we can have different sides of the house. I be realizing mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, bro. I need my space. I can't. He does too. I, I don't know why he. You know, I feel like I don't need my space. Let, let's say I meet somebody. I'm like, yo, I love this. Like, this is fantastic. Like, as soon as she leaves, I'm like, this like, is. Ah, uh, great. <laughs> this is like, it's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I like having a bed to yourself. She can just roll over without having to smack somebody. Yeah. I went to sleep a couple of nights ago. I was like, this is. It's a different vibe, bro. Y'all niggas are weird. I just, I don't know if it's me. I, like, I'm not I don't you know like people. Yeah, I, hug, I hug my pillow when nobody's in the bed next to me. I just hold, hold on to my pillow. <laughs> we figured out what the scent was real quick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You wow. can't yourself. I didn't even do it. <laughs> I didn't even do it. Y'all niggas are mean. This, this, see, now this this why niggas don't show no love no more. Cause y'all be making fun of us. See? Nah, bro. I mean, I, I play you. That's why black men can't be vulnerable. Right. <laughs> nah, y'all ain't seeing no more. I, I, I love my vulnerable black men. That's on me at night. We've been saying we want the black man to be vulnerable, and as soon as he do, we talk shit. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to clown everybody all the time. This ain't I, don't know, I do not be clowning people. Don't mean, don't mean yes, you do. I live with I you. you. Listen, <laughs> lies you tell. Break your butt up. Sleepyhead, wake up. Wake up, Mr. West. Wake up, Mr. West! Mr. West! Mr. West! Mr. West! So, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Hobson Randall McCain III. Uh, and I'm Kermit Ray Thomas Jr. And we are here, the culmination of all of our Black Men, Black Women series. Um, it's here, man. This is the, the exploring black folks, exploring black people, seeing how we work together and all that. We're back with all our guests. Um, let's start off from the top. Destiny, how you doing today? Hello, guys. Uh, my name is Destiny Oliver. I'm the host of the Piece of Destiny podcast. Excited to be back. Uh, yeah, that's all you get today. So what's up? <laughs> didn't didn't season two of a piece of destiny just just drop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they got they got some gems over there. Y'all go ahead and check that out. Right, creatives, entrepreneurs, everyday people. All that, all that, all that. What's up, Brie? I am Bria Janae. I am a brand coordinator, graphic designer, and dancer, and I'm from Houston, Texas. You know, got rep H town. Even though Ted Creation is from Finger guns were cool. That was real cool. Uh, Larray. Hey y'all, I'm Larray Taylor, political project manager from East Oakland, California. Yes, the East Oakland matters. 
Um, really, really interested in uh, getting to know you guys today. And then Keem, Brandon, how y'all? Good, 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 good. You gonna go off? Yeah, I shouldn't have said both of y'all at the same time. That was my bad. <laughs> we'll start off with Keem. What's up, Keem? I'm Keem. Uh, I don't be doing nothing. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> hey. What's up, Brandon? <laughs> uh, my name is Brandon Leeks. I'm a graphic designer for Sports Field Specialties, which is a company that does like stadiums, MLB, NFL, um, and I own the Gifted Travel. What's up? Yeah, now we appreciate y'all for... Um, you know, coming back and, and indulging us in this conversation. We know this one's going to be a good one. Um, and I know I know a bunch of people are excited to, you know, hear what we all have to say. I know, Karim, you wanted to start it off with, a, um, you know, a specific little topic. Yeah. Um, y'all, Pete, uh, Harry and Megan in the interview with Oprah. Oh, yeah. Um, you really did. So I don't need, I, pre, I, I typically don't even pay attention to shit like that. I promise you I don't. I'm not like a celebrity news person but for some reason um i was just immediately interested so i just want to start by like hearing people's thoughts like first and then we'll dive into like the specifics of it but keep you know keep it light like i'm trying to have a good time you know what i mean some people are argumentative hobson <laughs> so you know i don't want to <laughs> i don't want no smoke this early Kerm sound like a loser. So I just feel like Megan was like trying to, I'm just jumping out there and starting. So here we go. Um, Megan was like, hello, poise, polite. Like, I'm not trying to start any drama. Like, I just want to share my voice. And the hair was like, this who it was. Um, I ain't gonna tell you, but I'm gonna tell you. And I don't care no more. <laughs> like, it is what it is. We got out of there. And I, the only reason I was able to do that was because my mama. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, um, Yo, can we just talk about Oprah for a second? And just, uh, Oprah, and, uh, Oprah bro, the, the silence. She said, "She said, uh, were you silent or were you Oprah was through. She was like, "What?" <laughs> when they said the baby, when they was talking about the baby's color, Oprah was like, "Oh, like what?" Let me tell you, she was. I don't even watch stuff like that. I'm like Kermit. And I saw the little clips of that part. So let me watch this interview. And Oprah means let me watch this interview real quick. <laughs> and shout out to Harry. Like, if I feel like if you're gonna date a white man, that's the type of white man you need to be with. Yeah. He left his whole country and like a like yeah, no, everybody. He, he dropped he dropped uh, he dropped his royalty. Right. No, but that's the, dedication. The, the that's dedication. They, they said that that baby was gonna be born with no title. Yeah. Like, hold the fuck on. Y'all got my kids fucked up. <laughs> like, what? That is their birthright. What is the problem? You don't want my kids to be born with their title? You're stripping my child away from their security? Why? Yeah, no, that was wild that they took the security. You guys and are then... being so fucking malicious. And that was his fucking daddy and his fucking brother. You know that was daddy and the that brother. One drop rule, that one drop rule hit with them. They were like, oh, no. And y'all know uh, Tyler Tyler Perry housed him up in in Canada for a little bit. Okay, black man, right? See, Tyler Perry was like, "Hey, you stay at my house, and I got the security too." What's up? Worry about it. Type crazy, you know, because I think it speaks to how much you swear you know because you like keeping up with news. Because I promise you, I like every time the news made a story about Harry and Meghan, it was like they decided to step away. 
Mm-hmm. And like they don't want their child to be like a part of the royal family. Like it all came out like it was their decision in the mm-hmm. last couple of years. And I was like, okay, that's probably because you know she don't want all the the hoopla around them and stuff. When they said I figured because they was racist. I did not gonna lie to you. I figured I, yep. I figured it was because of racism. I was like, nah, she doing too much racism. I thought it was because of, of the media coverage and like how much they're in the center, you know, in the center of the limelight and all that. The racism that was in the media. Uh-huh. No, I know. the black woman, I know microaggressions. I know yeah. she, I can't imagine what that woman was dealing with in that no, I agree with you guys, but I think that's what I'm saying. Because I peeped racism, but I thought microaggression type race, as in like, you know, like days you go to work in in a, in a unexaggerated sense like days you go to work and you just don't want to talk to white people that's what i thought it was i thought like they had made her uncomfortable to the point where she was like okay i just don't really want to fuck with it and he I, was yeah this ain't me i'm out yeah, yeah. I ain't think like, nah, we not gonna give y'all baby a royal title type shit. Like that's crazy. That family, that's like the British colonized everybody. Yeah, and that, that's why that's why I don't understand is why everybody was so surprised that the British people who started the they like that's the imperialism movement started out the from from the British and the the Spaniards and shit. So it's like. These niggas was the original racists. Like they, they invented the shit damn near. So they wanted to broke up Africa. They were like, whoa, yeah, whoa, bro. And the queen, the queen, no the, we gonna break up Africa. Nigga, the queen, the queen, ninety six. Her passport, her ID, nothing. Girl, what? You don't got a social, a passport, nothing. The, the queen is ninety six. Her mother was colonizing folks. Yep. <laughs> Even how nice she said, like she said, the queen was nice to her. She it's said, probably the yeah the, the institution of it all. Like she's older too, so her son is about to start taking over. So he's groomed to be mm-hmm. the king, right? So he, we don't know what decisions he's he's able to make, right, on her behalf. Mm-hmm. Because about it he said that him and his grandmother are really close, yep. and they talk more now than they have ever talked. So I don't believe that she, that's why he, and like, I'm not sure if you guys saw the Oprah, like the, um, the post show, but she, she, Oprah said that um, Harry wanted her to, to tell everyone that it was not her grandmother asking about the color of his child's skin. He said, yeah. she said he wanted, he wanted her to be explicit about that. Like it wasn't his grandmother. So it was his daddy and it was his fucking brother. <laughs> also, I just want to push that past people because people oh, will smile in your, in your face and stuff all the time and then be doing other stuff. Yeah, nah, that. So I still don't trust her either. I'm sorry, I don't. I mean, she the queen. She's, I mean, she might be 96, but she got some pull. When somebody say, when she say to move, people going to start moving. Like so. when they was like they they curtsy to her still like come on now. I mean, they don't have no pool. They lost in the sauce of the system. That's what he said. Have that was pool. my thing because even like I don't know how the monarchy and all that crap works, but I just feel like kind of how the government is essentially <laughs> is you have these people who are at the forefront, but you got everybody behind who are like puppet masters. Like yeah, we tell people that you make decisions, but really it's these select few people within the institution of it all who are really like oh no, this is what we're gonna do, mm-hmm. and you just follow the line. But I watched get... Crown. So on the Crown, mm-hmm. yep, it, you can see like how they the decisions that they make. It, you have to go through like these processes and these orders. Yep. So. I think I I just think I don't know, man. The shit is fascinating because I just I see all of these different avenues to talk. Like you can talk about interracial relationships. You can talk about whiteness as an institution. And also like how people often pretend like whiteness is not an institution and just kind of be like, it is what it is while also still being racist. Like 
Um, it's just it's just type crazy. So I, I was. I think it was crazy too when she asked for help and she they was like she was like they were like nah because it's gonna look bad for the institution. Right. Did y'all see Meghan Markle's dad come on um Pierce Morgan's show? And I can't stand Pierce Morgan. I can't stand her dad. Nah, Pierce, Pierce Morgan is his he's he's still bitter over that date that he went on when he was married to yeah. some other woman, but mm-hmm. went on a date with Meghan Markle and she ghosted him. Um but anyway, she he had an interview with or with her dad and like apparently her dad been going to the tabloids and all these different news media outlets even though she don't want him to and she's told him that she don't want him to and that's why they're not talking and he's like well I keep going because they don't want to talk to me and I'm like what kind of weird ass like logic is that like you know like why are you gonna keep doing the stuff that's making your daughter upset at you as like a blackmail type thing to get her to talk to you that don't seem right you see how she said, well, my mom, people are approaching my mom and she hasn't spoken out. Like, yeah. But you are here running your mouth. But her mom, her, her mom is a real one, though. Her mom is real. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I just thought the I just thought the shit was dope. I thought it was dope to see Oprah again. I really want her to just interview mad people that like mm-hmm. Yeah. Oprah be asking like questions that I don't even be think needing to be like at one point. Why did she circle back? Oprah was asking the same ass questions like, the whole time. She was like, so, so wait, let's go back to this. <laughs> so Megan wouldn't say who, but she said, like, Oprah, you get to it? Yeah, listen, Oprah top not, man. She at one point she was like, uh Megan was like, yo, the the queen gave me a gift. Oprah was like, so what was the what gift? Was the gift? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, is that information we need? <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> crazy, that shit could have been a stuffed monkey or some shit. He <laughs> said <laughs> <laughs> a stuffed monkey. <laughs> Damn, we, lo- we lost Karen for a little bit. but You said a stuffed monkey. Yeah, no, but that was, a, that was an interesting little interview, man. Like, uh, I was not surprised by any of it, but it, it, it's wild how how deep that shit went though. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, so let's just jump into it. Um, I think the first question I, I want to start it off on, on kind of on the surface level. We don't need to dive straight into the straight into the meat of it. But um, I'd like to hear what y'all think the the biggest issues that face the black community internally. So like, what are the things that we need to um, that we need to work on in order to progress uh, as a whole um, and like to move forward economically, socially, all that. Anybody can start. Wow, this is riveting. Because there's so many issues. <laughs> no, it's like, all right, but I mean, so, so like top five, top five. Um... <laughs> uh, black people need to understand more black men need to understand that they're not dark-skinned white people. <laughs> That's deep. Oh, wow. All that privilege. Okay. All that privilege. Hmm. I like that. Oh, man. Uh, how, repeat that question from yeah, yeah. Um, what is the what, what's the biggest issues facing the black black community internally? So this isn't like you know racism and like you know fighting the 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 education system and shit like that, but just like as a people, how do we come together? How do we move forward as a collective? Like, what's keeping I you from doing that right now? Think a big part of it is the lack of certain conversations because they're uncomfortable or painful. 
Um, like we need to address colorism. Um, we need to address uh, the crab in the bucket mentality. It's a lot of like, I feel like what holds a lot of black people behind is like the mental, and people don't like to talk about like the psychological generational trauma through the mental aspect um, of post-slavery. And I think we need to have those conversations because I feel like once we start having like, like how we're doing it today, once we start having more of these type of conversations where we're open and honest, you're able to learn from maybe that other spectrum of things and understand each other and move forward. Cause it's like, we fight the outside, we're also fighting inside. So if we can come together as a collective on the inside and be like, look, we just what we're not gonna do no more. And it's like mentally, then we'll be better um, as a whole. I think we have to do better at um, really breaking generational uh, curses um, and creating generational wealth. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we always, I feel like for the last few years, it's been a, it's been a, a place or we've had the mentality of, you know, the white man has taken this and taken that. So it's hard for us to get to where we need to be. But I also feel like we haven't done a great job at passing down knowledgeable information to our, you know, to, to our children, um, especially when it comes to money management, um, when it comes to like coming together, you know, as a team um, to, to achieve a goal and you don't have to do it alone. Um, that's how that's how shit is achieved in all these other cultures. Uh, you know, we kick our kids out at, at 18, 19. They those kids stay in the houses until they get married. Um, and it's and we we be ready, like, get me the fuck out of here, you know. Mm-hmm. But we have and that's because of the culture that is built within our, our home. So it should be a culture of welcoming, like, hey, you can stay as long as you need. You know, we know that you you are becoming an adult now. So we know that we're going to be able to um, let go of some of the control. You know what I mean? Just all that, that all that it, it just all plays into it. So. So for, for me, I, I think the, the biggest thing that I see is um, and I think we're getting there with our generation, but the the not needing white people's approval and not not moving and trying to um, appease white people in our actions, even professionally, socially. Um, you know, I think we can still, we're at the point in society where we can climb the economic ladder while not adhering to, uh, you know, white people's biases and privileges and standards and stuff like that. You know, like we can, we can break down those barriers now. Um, and I think it, it, it does start with a generation that is willing to try, you know, um, and and it, it's hard because you know our, our parents and stuff. Um, they came up in the generation that was like, you know, we're trying to start, we're trying to build the the base of the ladder to where we can start climbing, you know, like where. And in order to do that, you kind of have to take some L's here and there, like not L's, but like you know, you have to come into work with your with your hair straightened out or you know get the buzz cut or whatever you know like you got to do certain things to make people feel comfortable and I think at this point we're past that you know yeah. Brandon you've been real real quiet down there you, you, uh, I have. you're just, you're just formulating <laughs> yeah I'm just thinking I'm just listening um and kind of taking in everything I think the biggest thing that I see is that we we all love doing our own shit, but coming together has been a problem because we all want to run our own thing. We want things to be done our way instead of collaboration. Um, it's five or six people that may be running the same business in the same area, 
but instead of coming together and making one big business and getting a lot of clients, they they cut everything up. So now nobody's growing their shit. You feel yeah. me? Now there's not much money coming in or they're fighting for money and da-da-da. It's an overall collaboration that has to be done that's not being done. I love the fact that we're starting our own shit now, but now it has to be, you know, us coming together and growing it as a group. Because if you don't grow it, you don't have any power because you don't have any money to be able to infiltrate or move the market in any way, shape, or form. You feel me? So and I, that's thing. I feel like that comes from fear, though. Because as somebody who grew up with no money, like, now that I have money, I'm still, I still find myself, like, trying to hold on to certain things that I don't necessarily need to hold on to anymore. And so it's like, once you get to the part where you built yourself up, because a lot of times, like, you're that one person in your group that's built themselves up, right? And then you, <clears throat> excuse me, you built your, you, like, you build your stuff up and you don't want it to crumble, you know? Like, so it's like, for me, I didn't build this up to this point, for us to come together, I have to trust you. And it's like, that trust there out of, they're lacking. Like, I feel like we just, like, realize that you have to have a team. I mean, you're a graphic designer, I'm not like a graphic designer, and I realize you can't, like certain projects you can't do yourself. Like it's just too much work. Excuse me, so and like, right? I said yeah, it's, like, it's just too big, right? It's just yeah, too, it's just too much stuff. Right. So being able to outsource that thing, and I think like we definitely do need to come together more <laughs> and work together. And I think that's why I like living in Atlanta because I can see it happening. Um, whereas I feel like in Houston they haven't gotten to that point yet. Like I can mm-hmm. see a difference in just like the growth of black people and it's very interesting being here like watching how stuff works to piggyback off of both of those things um on to one one point is i think kind of like Lorraine said sharing information and knowledge because a lot of times when people start a business it's like oh no i'm holding on to the secrets and i'm not telling you nothing because i don't need you growing before me but it's like why can't we come together and grow and then two a lot of times we see within white businesses organizations family structures they are, oh, you want to, you have an interest, maybe a small interest in graphic design. I'm going to pull you in and you can intern for <laughs> however much an hour. Um, because we see kids in high school and in college also who have these interests and they're like struggling to get internships. And it's like, we have these businesses that are growing and developing. Why not pull the younger generation in, give them the knowledge and give them the skills to build their resume now instead of them once they graduate from college, they're like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. It's almost like, so for example, like even like, so I study like the mafia sometimes. What they did, bro, they had like five families. They're like, yo, we're going to collaborate and we're going to take over everything else. We're going to come together and we're going to take over all the other shit. They were like, yo, I want this. Nah, let's go ahead and control the whole city. And then from that point, we can control concrete. We can control garment and we can control food. And they controlled all that shit because they had five families that came together. Yeah. Feel me? So shit like that. But we don't want to do that. And, and we, I think we have the whole damn pie. And it's like, bro, like, we can't. We just got to learn how to move differently and strategize. That's my biggest thing that I say. And I, and I, think, and I think a lot of that comes from, um, you know, I think it's, it's combined with Bria's point of like not wanting to lose what you've built and, and the inability to like recognize the value in other people's input, right? So, um, you know, Brandon said earlier, you know, everybody wants to do it their way. I feel like um, as a people, like we've, we almost get offended when somebody comes in and tries to tell us that the way that we're doing it might need to change, or there's like, right. you know, there's, there's, there's areas where we can improve and stuff like that. And, you know, we have to realize that that's how you build, you know, like that's how you get better is through that constructive criticism and, and through the, the assistance that different inputs come in um, or different inputs have. So um, 
you know, I, I think I don't think we're really that. Do, do y'all think that we're like super far off from that or or? No, I think our generation is really saving us. I think that our generation, like us even coming together, like doing this, having these important conversations, the fact that like we are able to take that step and know that that's needed, um, that that just shows like we're it's, it's different. So of course we now we we are now knowledgeable to know like okay I need to start this business I know this person's skills I know that person's skills all right I think that we can come together and we can we can handle this thing so I mean I think that we're we're now breaking that that cycle I think that last link is the hardest one I feel like we've came a long way but that last little bit is the hardest like it always works what, what bit is that as far as coming together and collaboration okay. me, and doing it consistently. Like we came a long way, getting the businesses, building the businesses, being able to gain rights to own shit and do different things of that sort. I feel like that last little bit is going to be the hardest thing to overcome. I feel like it's doable, but I feel like it is a challenge. Do you think that's a result of, because um, I remember on the Black Men's episode, we talked about how a lot of the times we felt like we didn't have a blueprint for how to, um, you know, how to succeed and climb that ladder. And, I, go ahead. Yeah, so, so do you think that that plays a part in it to where, um, you know, like there aren't there, there, of course, there's black, there's black millionaires, black, I don't know if there's black billionaire, I'm pretty sure there's black billionaire, um, a couple of them, maybe, but, um, you know, there, there's black people who have amassed a lot of wealth in this country, right. But to your point, there's not a lot of instances of like, a, a flourishing black community where like, you know, entrepreneurs are bred out of that community like this is a community that pushes out different um you know industrial giants and things of that nature do you think that that's because we don't like we don't have a blueprint for that or we don't have like a i think uh, that's because we got in late i was like that's because we got in like we weren't able to do it like a lot of these industries that we see that are booming were created in like 1600s 1700s 1800s and they continue to grow you know what i mean even when we were going through you know what I mean? We went during 1865 and during, you know what I mean, the 1960s, like these shits were already fucking established. I, I feel like we're just now getting into it, but we haven't had that long to do it and to build it and to grow it. But I feel like it's also lack of like representation because like, perfect example, MySpace, right? I was quoting the shit out of some MySpace pages. <laughs> like right. I had people paying me to call like, but I never saw like, and like with the way I, I never saw somebody who was like, like a black, like tech nerd like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't see those things. I didn't even think like, I can go to school for this and make a shit ton of money. Like if people don't think about like on a video set, you have like, what, let's say like video, the whoever's in the video, but you have all these people in the background who are all these tech nerds, the lighting, like, them, them niggas make money. Like the folks who do like all the theater stuff, the tech stuff back, money like they make some bank but you don't ever see those things because we aren't like we don't go to theater like you know like a lot of us don't do all these different things so we're, we're not exposed to them so i feel a lot of us are becoming more exposed to stuff and because we're becoming exposed to we're like oh okay i can do that because not that we're not incapable we just don't have the resources to do it yeah all right i feel like um I guess I, I bring a bit of negativity to the conversation pretty heavy, uh, pretty early. Um, I think that, you know, I, I'm gonna piggyback off of Raheem's comment, because when we're talking about black folks, I think one of the things that is, is very hard for us to navigate is that, um, uh, 
you know, this society within itself is is anti-black, right? White supremacy moves in a way that's like um, insidious, right? It moves in a way that like it has touched every single thing we think of, every single thing, every single opportunity we want to dream of, every single notion of community, collectiveness, all of those things. Like in order to really realize them in terms of black folks, we would have to identify that the issue is um, eradicating um, the issue is like realizing that uh, it at its best point in history has been by and for the realization or the, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the coming together of white people, right? One thing I talk about all the time, I guess to use an example, one thing I talk about all the time is when folks talk about professionalism and they offer how black folks can be professional. This is my personal opinion. I offer that black folks can't be professional, not in the sense that professionalism was designed because it was put together with the idea of a white person being the standard for it, right? Um, I would offer the same thing when we're talking about coming together. One thing that we have to address is that like, when we say, okay, um, how close are we to making this a realization? Uh, I think we're talking about how close we are to making this a realization in terms of like capitalism as a structure and capitalism as a structure does not benefit black people. So even if we say, hey, we're going to uh, get a, you know, uh, and, and using Hobbes example, we're gonna have these communities of black folks who do do well and who do push out um, different type of entrepreneurs and who do put black folks or their specific group of black folks in a good position, not only is that limited to a certain group of black folks, but it doesn't really do much for us as a whole, right? So when we say how close are we to collectively making, having some type of overall benefit, I don't think we're close at all. I think Atlanta is a prime example, as Bria was saying, I do feel good when I go through Atlanta a whole bunch of times because I can see how capitalism has worked, but it's very clearly for some black people. Right. And I think that's still what we have to keep in mind when we're having these conversations is that like for the majority of black people, uh, when we're talking about white supremacy and anti-blackness, it's not just about doing better for yourself in the way that we see white people do better for themselves. It's about like actively trying to establish that the system is a problem. Right. And so the way that white people do better for themselves is by being anti-black. So in order for us to really do better for ourselves in, a, in like a totality, we have to combat the anti-blackness and really work to building what a collective community looks like outside of these type of standards. And I think, I don't think we're close because I think that shit is difficult as hell. I, like, I don't even know if we really have it um, in our brains that that's what it's gonna take. But my question to you is like, you said nigga, capitalism, like capitalism affects everybody because it breaks people into like social economic groups. So like I get what you're saying, but it's like also like there are poor white people. Like you got all you got the privilege bag. Like <laughs> you a white man and you still broke. Like you know what I'm saying? Like you fun with the bag, my my dude. Um. So I think like in speaking of that terms, it's like if we're looking at to succeed, like for capitalism, somebody has to be on the bottom. So is it black people not making us to where we're not on the bottom? Like financially, like we're all doing so well, but it's like. I guess even in the capitalistic like frame, is that even like doable? So, but the, and and I think that's a, a little bit to what Kermit is saying. Like, capitalism is is just that, you know, there there has to be a bottom, and America mm -hmm. was built so that black people and people All of color bottom. were they they were that bottom, so that even you know even poor white people feel even you know if they make the same amount of money as a poor black person, they feel like they're on a, a higher level. A higher guess, level because I, they are like socially in terms of social the social hierarchy of uh, of America. But but what I but 
Um, what, what I think that, you know, we need to come to the understanding of is what success looks like for black people, right? Like is, is success, is success every single black person in America, you know, gets, you know, can get to a million dollars, like, or is success that the same percentage of, you know, white people that make it, there's the same percentage of black people that, that are making it now, you know? And I think that's how we have to, because to, to Kerm's point, if we're looking at just like, we want everybody to be good. We want all black people to be good. Then we're gonna have to tear this bitch down and re, you know, rebuild something else. And to Kerm's point, I don't, you know, I don't think anybody in the world knows what that looks like because it hasn't been completely done yet. You know, like we have democratic socialisms here and there, or de democratic socialist countries here and there. Um, but but even there, there's hierarchical structure, a hierarchical structure economically. So you know, there's always gonna be a bottom. There's always gonna be a top. And as black people. Um, you know, we have to realize that in in a capitalistic society, the it's built so that it's hard to make it to the top. You know, for anybody, if you start at the bottom, it's hard for you to climb that ladder. And if you start at the top, it, it's it's easier to stay at the top than it is to uh, you know go from lower class to middle class. Like that that's just a reality of capitalism. So what I think, you know, what, what I look at as the next level of success, and I don't know if this is like ultimate success and we can talk about that as well. But what I look at as the next level of success is that, um, you know, the, the, the same amount of white people who are able to, um, you know, come from come from nothing and integrate themselves into different spaces and get the connections because of, um, you know, because of their race, because of their um, gender, because of their, you know, uh, you know, they look like they look like the CEO's nephew. So he got a soft spot for him, you know, like all of those little privileges that white people have, you know, and it's it's some white people because not all white people get that. But, um, you know, all those privileges that those white people have who do make that climb, we need to at least be able to afford that same possibility to our black youth and our, you know, the next generation, right? To, to where the, they have the same chance as another, uh, a little white boy who's growing up in their similar circumstances, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we should have more, but I got you. That's what I was thinking. So you think, you think we should have more in terms of like, and again, like the, again, I prep no, I, I said the, my, next, like the mine, next level of success, but you're saying we think you think like the ultimate success is like we should have a more a, a, a better chance to succeed than white people, or or all black people should be elevated to a different level. Uh no, yeah. and better chance to succeed. I'm sorry, Brie. I think okay. success is what you make it, right? Like my success, what I what I might think is successful could be different from what you guys might think, right? Isn't that a thing? What, yep. What's successful in my family is different from what successful is in your family because of the way that we grew up. I'm from, exactly. I'm from Oakland, California. You know what I mean? I'm not from Georgia. So the things that I do in California and the things that you guys, how you guys grew up in Georgia are completely different just because we're on different sides of the map. Um, I think that, you know, we need to stop defying our success by what everybody else's successes are. That's you right. know what I mean? I feel like, you know, I go in these rooms and I expect, I, you know, I go in these rooms and I, I, I make sure, like, listen, I know what work that I'm doing. I know what I'm putting in. I'm not worried about what, what Billy and Johnny are doing. I know what I'm doing. So this is what I want. And if you can't give me what I want, then I'm going to take my talent somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I've done that multiple times. You know what I mean? Like, I know that I'm now an asset. So now I feel like you just shown me 
you didn't show me all these other people. So now I know that they're not, they're not even my, you know, remotely on my level. So now I'm going to require certain things out of you. And I think that that's, that's something that we should be teaching the, the younger generation as well. Don't go in here and just tell, you know, people, you know, what, um, just just take what they want to give you know because if they're offering you something that there's something that you can definitely counter um, and that is like even within what like with schools that's with you know jobs that's what I feel like that's with anything even even in your households like we were taught don't ask why why not why why can't we ask why we want to know I want to know why because I want to be educated on you know what I should do what why you know what I should not be doing you know so all that I feel like all that ties into um you know where we are as a black people as, as black people oh as black people i think i said this in the, the we need to stop having babies young like as a whole because that's holding us back it is and people can say what they want but i think about like a 17 my mom had she was, had me when she was 17 i think about a 17 year old bria compared to an almost 28 year old bria oh see even my computer understand and the peace and understanding and patience that I have and the wisdom now as a 28-year-old that I, like, have of the world, like, is a completely different something. Like, a kid that I would have now would, like, be amazing. The kid I have would have been okay. And that's me being honest. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to stop having these, like, these babies young. Like, it just needs to happen. Yeah, but I think I, I get uncomfortable with, and I know this is um, this is me thinking out loud, you know, that's the point of this conversation, but I get uncomfortable with, like, because it's not that either, I think you, uh, Bree or, or Lorraine, I think you guys are wrong. I just feel as if, like, sometimes the larger picture is missed when we make, like, these very general statements, right? And I oh, know no, a part of it is missed, it's like, not to have an education. Like it's been proven that if you have education behind certain things, then like pregnancy won't happen or you have certain resources. But it's like, I'm saying this from a broad perspective because I made active choices to not to prevent certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we need to talk about like, as black women, like my mom was very vocal as far as like, well, you live in the struggle. You don't have to like, you don't have to make the same mistakes, right? Like she was very adamant about it. And my mom was very adamant about dating and men and that like how men would play a game like she was very like vocal about it but then I'm like my friends they not getting these same conversations from their mamas or their aunties like I had very like I like went in no understanding like the like understanding stuff that I was having to tell my friends so a big part of it is is like women are having these these kids young when they're not even fully within themselves they can't let themselves they can't have like can't have a standard for themselves and they aren't putting those standards into their children and so then it just keeps creating this cycle. And it's a part of the generational trauma that needs to be fixed. And I'm saying this as a person who, I am the success of my family. And I ain't saying it's easy. And I'm not saying it's like an all-encompassing thing. But then it's also like, we got to do better. Like, we can't say we want to do better and then put butts. Like, either we going to do better and push for better or we not. Right. And Brie, to talk about that too. So my family, like, our thing is like single women, like having children, like single parents, that is what's in there. So I grew up is like, you don't want to be a single parent. That's not what you want to do. Go to college. Don't focus on boys. But we didn't get really kind of the foundation or fundamental conversations about sex, about relationships. Um, and then asking why it was like, what? No. So I can, I, I get 
what you're saying and I get what Kermit is saying too. Um, but it is that I think is something very important for black households to have those conversations because we have children out here just going out doing what they think they're supposed to be doing and learning based off experience instead of off of the wisdom of those that have come before us because they don't want to have uncomfortable conversations and that's it they don't want to have uncomfortable conversations and it's like you will have certain uncomfortable like you have certain uncomfortable conversations but won't have others and i just don't understand it especially when it's something that has been a problem like and part of my family like part of my family did not want my cousin's 15 they did not want to have these uncomfortable conversations with her and i was like she can literally bring home if i get pregnant yeah. And y'all don't want to have these conversations with her. I'm gonna have these conversations with her because I don't want her. I don't want her to repeat the 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 um you know like repeat what what our family like history is. Everybody having kids before they're twenty. That don't even make sense. Yeah. When it's literally a conversation that could be had. Yeah. And now she's like, you know, it's whatever she out there doing, you know, use condoms. You know, like I'm saying, like be on birth, like on birth control, like. But we don't want to have these, these conversations because we're uncomfortable. It's all uncomfortable. Her bringing home a baby gonna be more uncomfortable than having a, a, like a fifteen minute conversation. Yeah, we don't talk to each other. Um, so Karma, I, I know that you was saying something before. I don't know if you. If they, no, no, no. They wrapped I, I, it up. Uh, in you said Okay, cool. Um, so to start off the 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 next part of the conversation, I want to pose a kind of like an open-ended question of like, as a black man or black woman, whichever one you are, <laughs> um, tell us something that you want the opposite sex or, um, you know, the your significant other something. Tell us one thing that you want them to understand or to know that you don't think that they like take into account. If that if that makes sense, and this this was a question that that Bree posed to me before. So if Bree, you can phrase it in a better way. Feel free. Um, you did you you did. Don't make that face. Uh, but um, I don't remember. I talk a lot. <laughs> that's that's not that's not false. But um, but yeah. So so does does that does that question make sense? Y'all, y'all feeling that question, or, or y'all just love? Cause y'all making faces, all the faces. Everybody, everybody got their mute on and just making crazy faces that's at me. Good. Right? That's juicy. It's good. Yeah. Like, ooh. I also just like, are you gonna answer this question? Am I gonna answer the question? Are you gonna answer this question? I'm gonna answer it after everybody else answers it. Mm, okay, I'll wait to. I'll be second to last then. Oh wow. Who wants to start us off? Okay. I'll start it. I, I, I like shaking tables. Um, <laughs> so it brings me joy. Um, I feel like, I think we said this, sorry. Okay, phone. Okay, I feel like I said this on the la on the women's one. Um, so I'm just gonna say it again though. And I'm gonna give a little story. So my boyfriend and I had this conversation and I just had to let him know, like, I am not your ex or your exes and exes and exes, but he would make a just general comment about don't be crazy or I'm really liking this, like, let's not, I really hope you don't switch it up. I hope you don't change and all this stuff. And I had to like very politely, but sternly say, you can't compare me to somebody that I'm not. Um, and so I feel like that's an experience I've had with a lot of black men um, and black men can say they've had it with, with white, black women also, um, but letting go of those past, relationships and that hurt and trust and stop comparing us when we've given you 
no evidence or proof or um, grounds to compare us to who you've been in the past because we are our own people. And even if they do give you the proof, like if you're with them and you're not willing to uh, put in the effort to say, okay, let's work past whatever it is, um, then you just need to let them go. But on the forefront, let's stop comparing the current relationship that you're in with your past relationships when y'all are fresh out the gate because it, it doesn't help anybody ever at all. And your insecurities are sometimes showing and you need to work on those issues. Go to therapy, talk to somebody. Say you're talking about somebody real specific. Um, <laughs> you got somebody in mind when you told us that one. No, I'm not. We've had these conversations. <laughs> but I just know that I've had conversations with other women where it's been like, I hate being compared. I'm like, sis, you need to let them know. So that's my two cents. I think uh, these men are about to say the same thing back to you, though. <laughs> they might and they have every right to listen it's not, it's not the same thing is as uh it's not taken the same if it comes from a, a black man i feel like i don't feel like it's taken the same like that was really good i've never heard a black woman say that before so that's this is the first time for me but that it usually don't come out come off that way like, or if I say it in retaliation, like, I'm not, like, I shouldn't have to prove myself this much, like, because you, what, whatever happened in your last relationship, it don't come off right. I don't give a fuck about past relationships. I, I, love, I love this nigga <laughs> Brandon, bro. I love it. I'm bringing that shit over and, and me, like, everything that I do in the way I kind of move in relationships you know what i mean even my friendships and shit i always move the way that i want somebody to move with me so i don't necessarily not necessarily i don't bring my past shit in it at all to be honest with you. um because of the way i analyze my past shit you feel me like when past things happen i never get to the point where i'm like damn yo that person's fucked up so all of them are fucked up you feel me like i never like that's just not natural to me like when shit happens in past relationships and shit goes wrong, like I automatically get into a mosque where I'm like, damn, okay, like what signs were there that I could have saw that I ignored? How could I have approached it a little differently? Um, do I need to be smart about how I move? And then when the next person comes, you know, like with me, people, you're you're innocent until proven guilty. You feel me? Like I believe people have the best intentions at heart. Um, and I don't necessarily think people are bad. People do some dumb ass shit. But I don't think people are bad naturally. So I agree with you. Um, I don't feel like anybody should bring passion into their current relationship. I feel like it causes problems. Um, and if I have a woman who's doing that shit, I don't, I don't really deal with that shit. You figure it out. And once you figure it out, you let me fucking know. I'm not fucking, nah, fuck all that. <laughs> I, I don't know. So I agree with you. I agree. I'm in agreement. Lorraine, you've even muted. I know. <laughs> For me, I think um, attentiveness and really learning who your partner is um, and not who you want your partner to be. Mm. Um, that is so important. I think that sometimes we go in these situations and then it's like, oh, I see this in, in, this, in this person. You know, I see the potential. Um, or, you know, people, we change who I was three months ago. is not who I'm going to be today, who I was six months ago. is not who I am today. So I need, you know, I need you to stay 
attentive and and pay attention to your partner. Um, you know, some things, for example, like continue to date me, continue to get to know me. Um, those are things that are going to make our relationship last. You know, let's go. Let's talk about the shit that we used to talk about, because that that helped build the foundation and to keep that shit going. We got to grow with each other. We got to move with each other. So we have to pay attention and, and have that attentiveness. So uh, I guess it's about my turn, but um, I think that one thing that I would say to black, just black women as a whole, uh, as a representative of black men, I guess, you know, not, not a full representative, but just from my, hmm? that depends on what you say. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, that's real. That's real. So a representative of Hobson, I guess, <laughs> um, or Hobson the third, because there's, there's a bunch of us out there. But um, <laughs> now I'm laughing. But um, yeah, so I think I think the one one reason that it's hard for black men to um, be like emotional. And this is this is something that I got from listening to you guys talk on the black women's episode and like y'all wanting us to open up emotionally and be vulnerable. Um, a lot of the time, so often society invalidates black men's emotions and thoughts that it does not like to have your significant other invalidate your emotions and thoughts is almost crippling. You know, like black men are not good at expressing hurt and expressing pain because so often when that happens, you know, society will tear us down. Um, and, and if your black woman is also tearing you down along with society, like, you, you build up this wall and that wall has become, it's gotten to the point where it's generational. Like it's a generational wall where like, you know, our, your, your fathers are teaching you, you know, you not nah, stop all that crying shit. You know, like uh, don't nobody, don't nobody care about your tears. Um, and, and like, I, I do understand, I, I, like I understand that mentality, but it's like, it is very, uh, you you can't you can't want the emotional vul emotional vulnerability and then degrade or or tear somebody down when they give it to you. So that that's my my two my two cents. You were supposed to say so, from your partner, Hobson. Can huh? I ask a question? Because <laughs> I let him be emotional. So are you saying? Yeah, I was gonna say like, are you saying like we don't we don't give you guys the opportunity to be emotional because we tear you guys down when you do. No, no. So, so this is, the, and I guess we're going to just jump into it, but this is specifically, oh, I mean, to, yeah, no. So th this is specifically, um, I, I re, I re-listened to all the episodes before we started. Right. And there was a point where, um, y'all, y'all were talking about how, uh, black women aren't black men's therapists and things of that nature. Um, and, and it's like, while I recognize that, you know, y'all are not paid to like deal with our past traumas and all that at the same time, if I'm upset because of something, or if I'm trying to tell you I'm feeling this way because of something that happened in my past, that's not necessarily me putting my traumas on you. It's no. me trying to have a yeah, conversation yeah. about it. Y'all are supposed to fix it either. or deal with yeah. it. That's the thing. Uh, like that's the thing. But I don't. I don't. But I I, that's that not, was that's, not what we were saying. We want you guys to come to us with with things like that. But, but, but when we say we're not your therapist, we mean like. You having all these, you have all this childhood trauma that you are not dealing with on your own either. It's like you're projecting your trauma on me now. So now I have to feel your trauma. You're not even yeah, allowing is, yourself so, to go through. So, go so what is what is what is that? 
Um, I'll give you an example. Well, yeah, give, give, example. Me, give me, give me an example. example. So example is right, like, I grew up very, you know, low income. And you did it, right? So being around, like hearing you talk about certain things or being around your family sometimes is triggering because I didn't grow up that way. I can express that to you, but it is not your job to fix it. It's my job to deal with whatever issues that I have and unpack them. And a part of our relationship has been me unpacking growing up poor. And so it's like, I don't expect for you. I'll let you know, like, this is a problem. And then I realized that I didn't have it. So I bring it to you to acknowledge it. And for, as my partner, for you to understand what I'm going through, but it is not your job to fix that problem. Okay, but uh, and my, I, either I, my I, job to go to therapy or to like to sit down and be like Bria, you know, like that's not your circumstance anymore, and to work through those emotions and the and the that that complexity of what triggers what myself. So then, so then, I guess my next question would be, um, so so what do you, what do you think support look like what? What is a support, support looks different in, for each person, but support isn't me telling support. you that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you don't like, damn, I can't even finish. The only reason I said that is because I, I do want to like preface it, you know, like, I, um, sometimes I feel like. Uh, you know, like I know that black women go through a lot, right? Like y'all, y'all are dealing with the patriarchy, racism, uh, white women, microaggressions. Y'all deal with a lot, right? So I know that like sometimes when a black man comes to you and talks about the trauma, I feel like that can be seen as putting the trauma on you. But I don't, I don't think that all the time when black men bring up their trauma or something that's bothering them, they're expecting you to fix it. But it does, like for me, it feels good to say shit out loud sometimes because I, I deal with a lot of shit in my head for the very reasons that I was discussing before. Like, you know, like I don't, I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want people to like look at that as like a, a, a hindrance on me, you know, like something that's holding me back. So I won't, I won't even talk about it. And I'm, you know, I'm, me and Bria are working on that and all that, but you know, when I, when I say it, it's not because I want you to drop everything and like oh baby let's figure out why you felt this way when you were seven it's not it's not about that it's just like yo okay that's this is why i do not want to deal with that you know like because i've dealt with some shit like that before or or because this mm -hmm. i have an example i was in a relationship with someone um and you know, he had a lot of childhood trauma because he was African and his mom got deported when he was young. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he grew up in a household with his mom, his dad, and then his dad married his mom's best friend. And she, I, I guess, was very um, controlling to his dad. And she was extremely um, like she took all his dad's money and stuff like that. Like, so his daddy was like a little simp boy for, for this lady. And so I'm, you guys know me. So you guys know, like, I'm about business. I'm about like, I'm gonna help you be who you need to be, but I'm a, I'm a, you know how I talk too. So it's, it's for him. It was like, you don't be, don't be telling me what to do. I'm not trying to tell you what to do, baby. I'm just letting you know, like, there's a better way of doing things, babe. Like, I shouldn't have to tell you certain things. Like I shouldn't have to tell you 
um, to make sure you go get an oil change. You are a grown man. Like certain stuff like that to me didn't sit right with me. Right. So it's like, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. You got all this childhood trauma and you don't want me to try to tell you what to do because you saw what your daddy went through. So you, you taking it out on me. Y'all see what I'm saying? Like you mm-hmm. can't take your trauma out on me so, because you're, you got to deal with your own thing. So, so me saying I'm not your therapist is me saying like, you don't got to project that on me. Everything that I'm saying to you is not me talking down to you. It's me really trying to help you. So, but, so I, yeah, oh, my bad, my bad. So does that work? Does that work? Uh, vice versa. Yes. So that works. <laughs> yes. Because, like nobody I, should like in relationships. You're not your person's therapist. <laughs>